glad to see you today on January 1, 2023. My goodness gracious, here we are. Happy New Year, everybody. And to those of you worshiping with us online, we uh, wish for you all of God's best in 2023 as well. And glad to have you with us today. And let me encourage you, just one of your New Year's resolutions, you want to stay strong and faithful and engaged in the church, you want to be regular in attendance, you want your children engaged and involved, you want a homing device planted within their little souls that where they grow up thinking, these are my people and we are your people. My friends, I have no idea what 2023 holds for you, but this I know. The Lord is with you. His promises are sure and true, and you can know that no one loves you like the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you. He's for you. The Holy Spirit is with you. And as I talked about a couple of weeks ago, there's a difference between going into the future with a list of expectations and going into the future with a spirit of expectancy. If you have a list of expectations for 2023, get ready to be disappointed and resentful. Expectations are simply resentments waiting to happen, disappointments waiting to happen. But when you can, you know, expectations are all about what I want. But a spirit of expectancy says, I'm going to do what I can do, but I believe the Lord is there, the Lord is in the future, the Lord is with me, and I believe that my future is in His hands, and in, into His hands I commit my spirit. And so we shall see what the year will bring, but may the Lord bless you and keep you. Before I get into a, uh, some Bible teaching I want to do this morning, let me just sort of cover some uh, family matters here. First of all, um, our uh, giving for 2022 was outstanding. There was a wonderful burst of generosity towards the end of the year. We don't have those final numbers just yet. Nothing is in your printed order of worship because those printed orders of worship were done actually well before, before Christmas. Not much happened office-wise this past week, but uh, we'll have that information for you next week. But thank you for your buy-in, for your support, for your participation. And what you can know is just across the board in our church, there was incredible generosity and participation. So thank you for that. You know, we're as you've known since this summer, we are in a senior minister search. I'm uh, retiring here in, um, towards the end of 2024, and we're doing an overlap model at some point that uh, uh, next senior minister will be here. That search is ongoing right now. There's not in, no really details to share. I'm just really impressed with that, with that committee. Uh, they are faithful. They are dependable. They are very uh, methodical. They are working the process, and right now they're in the process of researching and reviewing. They've not even gotten to various interview stages yet, but when, when public things can be stated, they will be. But right now, as, as you know, it just has to be more of a um, uh, low-key uh, approach. But they are busy, and they are working it, and uh, I urge you to pray for them and pray for them in this, in this process. Um, it's important for us to regularly engage, feed our souls, our own, be self-feeders of the Word of God, self-feeders when it comes to our prayer life. And we do have some Bible reading plans that are on our website for you, firstcolonychurch.org. And you can go there and find 
uh, four or five Bible reading plans that uh, some folks on our staff, Missy and Shane, put together uh, for you. We also have a prayer and fasting guide as we go into January. We encourage you to pray and perhaps fast. Fasting is not for everyone. If you have some physical conditions, and we list it there in, in this teaching guide, but fasting is where we say, I'm going to do less food and more God, less food and more intentional, intentionally connecting with, with the Lord. And so we've got a prayer and fasting guide for you there on our website as well. Next Sunday, we'll begin a new message series called God-Centered Families. And um, I'll kick that off, and Joel will, uh, will, will do part two, but that'll take us through uh, January and into early February. And then on Sunday, February the 12th, that will be our uh, upcoming Super Sunday, Bring a Friend Day or Invite a Friend Day. Uh, we've been doing it now for well over 30 years. And uh, this year, our, our guest speaker is, let me see, we've got it on the screen, right? There we go. Uh, Sean McDowell, Dr. Sean McDowell will be with us. He'll be our guest speaker on our Super Sunday. Sean is not just one of the nations, one of the world's foremost apologists, defenders of the Christian faith. Many of you are familiar with his dad, Dr. Josh McDowell. And uh, Sean is carrying on that legacy. Sean's actually been with us before. He was here back in 2015, not for our super sunday but for another event he's a fantastic speaker presenter and it i think it'll be a, just a great day i encourage you to be thinking about this praying about it and sending the word out uh, to people so that that's that's coming up in february okay i want to read a scripture here from first corinthians 16 and this is going to be my uh sermon outline today you ready here we go be on your guard for five points be listening be on your guard stand firm in the faith he doesn't say your faith in the faith be courageous four be strong don't be wimpy be strong and last of all do everything in love my friend, if you want a fantastic return on investment for your faith, the Apostle Paul right here towards the end of the book of 1 Corinthians, he summarizes all he's wanting to say to that church. And he gives them five very staccato-like commands, words of exhortations. And I think on this first Sunday of the year, let's highlight these, shall we? Because here's what we don't want to do. I don't want you sleepwalking into 2023. I don't want you meandering and drifting along in your spiritual life. As, um, as the Bible will tell us, when the kingdom of God started, when the church started, it, says, it, it actually uses the term, violent people are entering. What? Yeah. People who are living on purpose enter the kingdom of God. People who are living on purpose follow Jesus. You don't float there. You don't drift there. You make a decision that here's a direction I want to, to go. So you want a great return on investment of your faith? Listen to these teachings. Here we go. First of all, be on your guard. Literally be alert. You know the word alert is used 22 times in the New Testament. And in very specific ways. Let me just highlight a few of them. The Bible says you need to be on your guard and you need to be alert for Satan and temptation. 
And by the way, he's like a football coach with only three plays. You want to know how Satan and temptation will come at you? Three ways. Money, sex, power, or the pathological pursuit of those. So be on your guard. Against Satan, you've got an enemy. Temptation. Thirdly, the Bible says you need to be on your guard against the spirit of lethargy and spiritual laziness where inertia sets in. Martha and I used to joke over the years, sometimes if I'd say, hey, honey, while you're up, would you mind refilling my tea? And she'd say something like, well, sure. And by the way, would you like for me to pump your lungs too so you won't have to work so hard, you know, to, uh, to breathe? And, um, you know, some of you, it's kind of like, well, you know, I'd like to be a stronger Christian, but could somebody just sort of pump my spiritual lungs for me? No. You've got to be on guard against lethargy and inertia and spiritual laziness. And as the Lord said to one of the churches, seven churches of Asia, wake up and strengthen what's there and strengthen what remains. And then the Bible says you've got to be on your guard against false teachers and not be gullible and, and, and non-discerning. But then in positive ways too, it says, but also be alert and be aware for opportunities to pray and say, oh my goodness, here's a situation where let's paste the name of Jesus and the power of God upon this situation because God can do something here beyond what we can ask or imagine. And then he says to just be alert. Because yes, while there's an enemy who seeks to be close, you have a great God and King and Savior and friend who's even closer. And just be alert and and. Keep your eyes open for all the ways God is at work in you and around you. So first of all, just be alert. Be on your guard. And secondly, stand firm in the faith. Because you live in a seductive culture. And so keep walking with God. What does it mean to stand firm in the faith? It means the faith that's been revealed to us in Christ through the Scriptures. We wouldn't know what to believe unless God revealed himself to us. You know, we live in a day when strong convictions are frowned upon. But it is not arrogant to have firm biblical convictions. In fact, it is our duty as Christians to be precise and thorough and strong and knowledgeable in our doctrine, to have biblically informed perspectives. The Bible will say, if you want to know uh, a, a distinct point of immaturity is this. It says, some of you behave like children. You're constantly tossed this way and that way by every wind of doctrine. And I would say that if you have a natural bent to just be constantly fascinated by something, a new perspective or a radical doctrine, I urge you to get re-anchored in historic, apostolic, orthodox, biblical Christianity. And when you hear some Christian teaching that 30 years ago would, wouldn't even have been on the radar, and it's something fresh out of the blocks, even though Christianity's been around for 2,000 years, all I'm saying is a red light needs to go off around you. And you need to say, okay, this needs to be evaluated. Listen to what theologian Charles Hodge had to say. Do not consider every point of doctrine an open question. 
matters of faith, doctrines for which you have a clear revelation of God, such, for example, as the doctrine of the resurrection, are to be considered settled, and as among Christians, no longer matters of dispute. And there are doctrines embraced in the creeds of all Orthodox churches that are so clearly taught in Scripture that it is not only useless but hurtful to be always calling them into question. We live in a a day where there is a war on historic Christianity and there is a war on the Bible and on the authority of the Scriptures. Stand firm in the faith. And thirdly, be courageous because fear drives you to fit in, to cave in, to conform, and insecurity can win the day if you're not careful. There's a book out written by Stephen McAlpin. He's an Australian, and the title of his book is interesting. Here it is on the screen. It's called Being the Bad Guys, How to Live for Jesus in a World that Says You Shouldn't. And he Basically, the book talks about how Christians and the church used to be recognized as a force for good. And then there was a period of time in the not-too-distant past where the church was thought of as being, oh, how quaint, how outdated. But now, all of a sudden, in so many circles, the church is viewed as dangerous. You've become, actually, the bad guy. And McAlpin talks about his own life. He says, I became a Christian in high school. And at the time, the typical response from my non-Christian friends was a a shrug of the shoulders and a half-sincere, well, good, good for you. I felt a little teenage angst, but hardly any opposition. After high school, I actually joined the Army before I went to university. And he said, here, I experienced a little pressure for my faith. My Christian views on sexual ethics were often mocked and became fodder for endless jokes, but they were mostly good-natured. But fast forward to 2010. I'm now a campus minister at a major university. And before the year is even underway, I find myself verbally attacked by a gay rights activist who finds my orthodox Christian sexual ethic bigoted and hateful. He even tries to have me kicked off campus. At the time, I I couldn't believe what was happening. I'm being attacked for merely holding to the Bible's long-held, thousands of years, traditional view on sexuality and marriage. How foreign. But as a colleague of mine pointed out, what happens on campus doesn't usually stay on campus. In other words, ideas and often bad ideas eventually go mainstream. I remember thinking to myself, again, I'm quoting him, I sure hope my colleague is wrong, but unfortunately, I think he's right. Our culture has moved from being supportive of Christianity to, and they've moved from being indifferent to Christianity or even thinking Christianity's foolish to now seeing Christianity as being harmful and dangerous. 
And in so many key quarters of Western culture, you've now become the bad guys. Hmm. He says, how, does, how, does, how did this happen? He says, basically, there's a new gospel in town. There's a new kingdom, but without King Jesus. And the new gospel is the gospel focused on, here's the word, authenticity. The idea that human flourishing is all about fulfilling our internal desires. And since the Christian gospel involves at times a denial of our, our desires, then the gospel of authenticity is hostile to the gospel of Jesus and hostile to his followers. And you're viewed as being dangerous and bigoted and you are not welcomed at society's table. And his recommendation is simply, you got to lean into a thick church culture. Remind one another who we are, that we're rooted in Christ, we're rooted in the Word of God, we're rooted in God's values. We need to treat all people with great respect, and even those who disagree with us and think that we are harmful, to show that we care, that we love, that we welcome all to faith and repentance in Christ Jesus. And we need to just be courageous enough to know that throughout church history, followers of God and followers of Christ have often been at the margins of culture. And be courageous enough to be there and to live purposely and wisely, even at the margins of culture. Okay? Now let me talk about courage in just another little way, just for a moment. Some of you need the courage to ask for help. And I don't know exactly in what way. But it's, it would be much easier for you to move into 2023 and pretend that everything's okay. But the simple act of asking for help in an area where it's needed may be one of the most courageous things you ever do as a Christian and by refusing to ask for help, you may be robbing yourself of an opportunity that God has to work in your life in such an amazing way. And if there's someone in your circle, if there's someone who loves you a lot, and they've been saying to you, you know, I really think you need to be paying attention to, or you might want to consider getting some help with if somebody's been saying that to you, listen to them, pay attention to that. One of the most courageous and wise things you can do is to ask for help when it would be easier to stay secret and hidden. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Number four, be strong. And actually, this is the most passive of these of the commands the others are very active but this one says actually be strengthened because strength in the Lord is something that actually we pursue but it's also a gift we place ourselves in places where the Holy Spirit of God can meet us and my friends God does want to strengthen you he's e he's eager to do that and in our walk with the Lord it's a long journey. It's a marathon. Lots of times we get beat up. 
are draining seasons of life. And the reminder is, you can be stronger. The Lord is there. He's your holy helper. So be strong. And last of all, he says, and do everything in love. Just everything. Let everything that, that you do be done in love. So in other words, a really important question for you and me to ask as we face almost any situation is, what does love ask of me in this scenario? In my marriage, what does love ask of me? In my relationship with my family, what does love ask of me? In my relationship with my small group, what does love ask of me? In my relationship with, with the church at large, what does love ask of me? What does love ask of you? That's such an important question because of all the things that matter, <coughs> and so many things matter, Bible teaching matters. Faith matters. Caring for the poor matters. Mission work matters. So many things matter. Of all the things that matter, families matter, of all the things that matter, what matters most? And the Bible says, love matters most. Whatever you do, do everything, he says, in, in love. And my friends, you're a gifted bunch. And the same God who's gifted you with great strengths and abilities has also gifted you by his Holy Spirit to love and to care. And sometimes that love looks like showing grace and forgiveness and mercy. And at the, be at the beginning of the year, what a great time it would be for you to extend mercy and grace where that needs to occur. But sometimes doing everything in love acts like stepping out there, taking action, showing energy. I have a friend, and uh, he and his wife have a dog. She came to him, this happened two, three, four years ago, she came to him and said, there's a rescue dog that I've just fallen in love with, and I want us to, to get this dog. <laughs> he said, I, I don't want another dog. She said, no, 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 honey, we, we need this dog. I love this dog, and let's get this dog. He said, you're not hearing me. I do not want this dog. And so he said, they compromised and got the dog. But he, he told his wife, he said, you know, we'll get this dog. We'll do this. But let me tell you what's going to happen. This dog is going to be your dog. You're going to take care of the dog. You're going to take the dog to the vet. You're going to feed the dog. You're going to deal with all the dog stuff. It's okay. We'll get the dog. But this needs to be your dog. Got it? And she said, absolutely not. That's not how we do things in our marriage. That's not how we do things in our family. You know that. What we do is a partnership, and it's ours. And she said, in essence, she said she didn't exactly use these words, but in essence she was saying, my mission is your mission. If we're partners, if we're married, if we're in the church together, my mission is your mission, and your mission is my mission. We're partners here. You know, one of the principles of love says what? It's not self-seeking. Well, this is going to be your dog. 
No, that's that's not how we do things. What I care about, you care about. What I give myself to, you give yourself to. Because that's what relationship, partnership is all about. Be on your guard. Be discerning. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. <laughs> you know, football recruiting uh, groups will list uh, athletes as stars. You know, that's a two-star prospect. That's a three-star, four-star. But when you are courageous and alert and standing firm and strong in the Lord and you aim to do everything in love, my friend, you are a five-star follower of Jesus Christ. So here we are. It's New Year's Day. These are exciting days. These are amazing days. These are uncertain days. These are frightening days. But remember, our Lord says, even though the future is unknown, what's very certain is that the Lord is with us. And so he says, let not your hearts be troubled. I used to listen to Paul Harvey when I was a kid. And here's a famous thing he used to say. Remember that in times like these, it helps to recall that there have always been times like these. And so regardless of what happens, remember the promises of God are still true today and tomorrow. One of our elders, Josh Cummings, is going to come lead us in prayer. But as he's coming to do that, would you listen afresh to these promises from the Lord? The Lord is my strength and my song, and he's become my salvation. There is no rock like our God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. As far as the east is from the west, so far has the Lord removed our transgressions from us. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions? of the remnant remnant of his inheritance? If God is for us, then who can actually be against us? And the Lord's promise, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, and greater is the Holy Spirit who is in you than that evil spirit who is in the world. And because of all these promises, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, you stand firm. Let nothing move you. And always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your service for the Lord is not in vain. May the Lord bless you and keep you, everybody.